Welcome to my basement, everybody. We are starting up Vic's basement again. At least we're going to try this out. And I thought, who better than to relaunch Vic's basement uh, than with my good buddy, Bear Safi, who I haven't seen. You were with me on the last show, the last EP Live that we did. Uh, it feels like 47 years ago. How long ago was it? <laughs> Listen, Vic, it, <laughs> I, who would have thought that the world would be where it is now? And yeah. I kind of blame it on you. That's why I'm wearing plaid today. I feel like the moment you stopped wearing plaid, there was yep. an imbalance in the world. And now we're in a pandemic. So I'm slowly trying to, you know, bring the fashion back here to EP, wearing some plaid shirts. But it's it's so wonderful to see your face, man. I'm totally stoked to be here. And I'm, I'm glad to see the return of Vic's Basement. This is fantastic. So there is a lot of stuff going on right now in the uh, world of video games. The hype is real and all kinds of uh, new teases and releases of stuff is starting to kind of filter out there. We've got two massive new consoles coming out this year. Uh, Nintendo has got no shortage of surprises to uh, reveal as well. Uh, but we've got... Um, I think a lot of fascination over the PlayStation 5. Um, and we're going to talk about that first, I think. But before we get into that, we're winding up the PlayStation 4 in some pretty dramatic ways. Huh? What do you think of the uh, Ghost of Tsushima uh, footage and the way that that game looks and how it's coming together? You know what? After seeing that gameplay demo, I believe it was a 20-minute gameplay demo, absolutely phenomenal for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was a little worried that the game, and, and not that it's a bad thing, but we've been having a lot of kind of Dark Souls-esque type games. And I thought that maybe it was going to be kind of like a one-hit kill sort of situation. Yeah. It still might be, but I love that they showed the stealth elements and they seemed very transparent with their gameplay as well. And I love that they were transparent as a studio, like they kind of had a little uh, reference to their love for Seven Samurai which we usually don't see that in, in these types of PlayStation experience type streams. You know, usually it's kind of like, here's what we have and we hope you like it. But it seemed like they were getting quite personal with this project. And it was probably, you know, uh, a dream project for Sucker Punch. But the more I saw, you know, the smoke bombs and the little uh, firecrackers that you can uh, totally, you know, mess with the enemies with and they showed the bow and air. Like, I love that there was stealth elements to the game too, whereas I really thought that Ghost of Tsushima was going to be a title where we kind of go in there, a hack and slash uh, our way through everything and uh, enjoy the the beautiful open world. But man, I, I'm going to say something crazy here, Vic. I think I'm more excited for Ghost of Tsushima than I am for Last of Us Part 2. I kind of feel the same. I kind yeah. of feel the same. I mean, I'm super psyched for Last of Us Part Two as well, and what a you know crazy one-two punch the PlayStation Four is kind of riding off into yeah. the sunset with. Mm -hmm. uh, but Sucker Punch only makes games with their heart and soul and and passion behind it. That's the the mo of the studio. Uh, we were fortunate enough to work on uh, I think the making of Infamous Two and got to know the team quite well. And and uh, I visited the, those the, those folks many times over the years and got to spend some time talking with them at E3s in the last couple of years. And this game has looked extraordinary and it's looked like it was made with a, um, uh, a real sense of respect to the material that they were trying to craft and, and uh, you know, the uh, understanding that it was a, a foreign world for a lot of these developers, but they've spent a lot of time in Japan and trying to soak up as much authenticity and that's all it's all exemplified in the material and, and it's, you know, very real nod uh, and a, appreciation, respect for Kurosawa and 
uh, the samurai culture and I, you know it yeah. all, all of which is you know top level interesting discussion points about the beauty of this art coming together but it also looks like it's just going to be crazy fun to play you know i love that you mentioned the respect for the culture and just the the the, the time period too mm. you know we see a lot of these western games sometimes really try and cater to the western market but you know the fact that they even had a japanese voiceover track as an option like that shows that hey they went through the time of casting japanese voice actors to really you know make this thing authentic and we even saw way back in the day you know when the yakuza series was first coming into the west you know they were trying to really westernize it by bringing like mark hamill in as voice actors and i don't even know if the original yakuza had a japanese voice option and the for the western version oh i can't remember um but you know, over time, they've learned that people like that authenticity. They, you know, if they're playing a Japanese game, we want to hear those Japanese voices. We want to be engrossed in that world. And it's so great to see, obviously, you know, an American studio. I believe they're based in Washington. Yeah, um, Seattle. Seattle. So like, and they're really, you know, given given that love that 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 period deserves. And I absolutely cannot wait. Actually, watching that gameplay demo really solidified. That may be my most anticipated game for the summer, uh, and it's, it's crazy to me to think. And honestly, mad respect to Sony for understanding that the um, I, I, the the sort of external value of video games when you tell people where we are as an art form and as a medium, it's these single-player, story-driven, beautiful, expensive-looking types of games that really push us forward, right? Really kind of underline um, this this cultural value of the, the of, of these products, of these these escapism, uh, you know, opportunities. And uh, Sucker Punch is, is a pretty extraordinary team and an extraordinary studio because they've been able to kind of reinvent who they are with every generation of machine like they were That's the true. sly cooper team and then yeah. the infamous team and uh they also have two massive games out in the the console cycle you know in, in uh, on the playstation 4 like they had the uh, infamous second son early on playstation 4 and they've got another one out and that is hard to do now it's very hard for massive companies unless they've got multiple teams sort of going, you know, passing the baton back and forth and, and Sucker Punch doesn't. It's all the same people that worked on Sly. They've just gotten bigger, worked on Sly and worked on Infamous and now they're all on Ghost of Tsushima. They work on these things one at a time. Um, but they managed to get Infamous and, and Ghost of Tsushima out before we've transitioned to a new system. And it feels like, I don't know if they'll ever go back to Infamous. They might. I, I was thinking about Infamous yesterday, just feeling like, you know, a sense of I'm missing that era. And I always would game for more Sly Cooper. Um, but it feels like we're probably going to launch on this whole new Shishima, Ghost of Shishima, you know, run now for a while. You have to imagine they don't want to put all of their eggs into one basket like Microsoft did, right? I think Microsoft mm. made that mistake of we're just going to have these amazing shooters and this is going to be the shooter console. And that's ultimately yeah. why they failed with Sony. Now they've got Spider-Man, sadly, right? Yeah. Well, not sadly, we should say happily <laughs> because it's a fantastic franchise um, and the amazing new world that they made for it. But they probably would not want to double dip in that superhero sort of thing when Spider-Man was already just so fantastic. 
Right. So I, I think this is a, a great new journey for, for them. You know, I'm, I always talk about studios being put into a bubble and thankfully Sucker Punch has gotten out of that bubble. I feel like Gorilla got out of that bubble because they were able to make Horizon. Before yeah. that, Gorilla was the first person shooter Killzone studio and that's all yeah. they made and nobody, unless you were a Killzone fan, you know, Sony fans really didn't care about them. But look yeah. at them now, right? They were just capable of so much more and I feel like Sucker Punch is just capable of so much and uh, extremely exciting. The fact that, you know, they, they launched the PS4 with Infamous Second Son and then uh, that they did First Light uh, as DLC. And now they're kind of closing off the chapter uh, yeah. for PS4 as well. So they're kind of like the beginning and the end of his journey with this, with this generation, which frankly, I'm going to miss this generation, Vic. It's going to be, uh, uh, I'm always a little... I get attached to certain gaming generations. I feel like this last one has been so good. There's been a lot of great games for sure. Maybe less in the amount of great games that we saw in the Xbox 360 PS3 generation, but I think that's more about, nice goofy cup, by the way. (laughs) I think that uh, for anybody listening, Bear's drinking out of a goofy cup. Spent some it's time my favorite at Disneyland. Disney character. It's my favorite <laughs> Disney character. I love me Goofy. Can you do a Goofy impression? No, I cannot. I'm not even. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, Mickey. <laughs> you sound uh, like Goofy who's had a little bit too much marijuana. In yeah. His <laughs> Hey, listen, we're all like, goofy on too much marijuana right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what day it is? Who knows what time it is? Uh, um, let's talk about um, this console transition, okay? Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, we are shifting from PS4 to PS5, and it's imminent, and it feels uh, like any day, the, the, like all of the information is going to drop, the price, the release date, maybe some of the launch titles. I think we're going to get an early look at what the next Spider-Man game is going to look like. I can't wait for that. Um, but I think what always comes up at the end of a life cycle is, you know, what's what's the real value? Like, what what is the next look of games? Like, how much better looking are games going to be as we get into these new machines? And I posted my thoughts about the Xbox um, Series X Re- uh, reveals last week and I had a lot of comments and there was a lot of internet hate about how the th- this stuff doesn't look any better than what I can play on Xbox One and a big part of the message of Xbox was you can play all of these games on your Xbox One but you'll own them on Series X when you move to there and so there is a lot of um, as I feel like there always is uh, skepticism about the need for these new systems and you know we had Epic's demo their tech demo showing off what unreal engine 5 is going to provide for developers out there and it's incredible um we also get a game on current gen playstation 4 with ghost of tsushima nice long look at that game what are your thoughts on uh the need and the satisfaction that people will get jumping into the new machines right away maybe in 2020 if they launch this year you know, through the history of every launch of a new generation, especially with Sony, it's been clear that, you know, it takes time to optimize for a certain machine. Yeah. You know, remember when we first saw, you know, the PS3 launch, it looked beautiful, but it wasn't until, you know, three, four, even five years later where we started seeing titles like Uncharted 2. And then two years later, we saw Metal Gear Solid 4, which looked amazing on the PS3. Uh, 
And we got to understand that right now we're seeing the earliest generation and the launch titles for the PS5. And it's only going to get better within time. Once people really start maximizing this hardware and understanding, you know, the best way to program for it, that's when we're going to really see the jump. And the other note I have to make is that, you know, we're seeing YouTube live streams, right? We're not really seeing the, the, the perfect crisp, um, you know, imagery that's coming straight from the console. You know, it's being processed through a stream and it's getting uh, compressed and all that. So that's another point. And three, I think much like the PS4 generation, I think frame rate is going to be a big part of this next console gen. And I think that uh, I think everything is going to be 60 or better, right? 60 or better. Exactly. I think we're talking a lot about 4K 60, which we already have on the X right now. But you got to also think about 1080p at 120, mm. which I think a lot of games will utilize. And I think a lot of the competitive scene will utilize because when you're, you know, watching 4K on a, on a small, you know, 24 inch monitor uh, that you use for a computer, the difference between 1080p and 4K is not massive, not as massive as it is if you have, you know, what is your 60 inch OLED Vic? I'm going to flex your amazing <laughs> TV again. <laughs> but the difference there is obviously huge between 1080p and 4K. But when you when you play on a monitor, it's all about the refresh rate and the, just the frame rate overall. And that's mm. honestly where PC gamers are going towards, right? They, A lot of PC people are not even buying 4K monitors. They'd rather buy a 240 hertz 1080p monitor or a 144 hertz 1080p monitor just right. because games are just that much more smooth uh you know it helps with your reaction time with with you know just getting certain shots and uh the delay and i feel like that might be a big part of this next generation as well um, not so necessarily a uh, an advancement in terms of um you know detail or polygons yeah. per character and because they already look so damn good that's the challenge right like yeah, and that's what happens with video games is that they they uh they max out the hardware that they currently are and and they look incredible that was true as we transitioned from playstation 2 to playstation 3 and definitely from ps3 to ps4 i was playing some xbox 360 games last night mm -hmm. still looks stunning you know yeah and yeah. i think it's going to get harder to you know look at just moments of imagery or screenshots or whatever and say, well, that is clearly a PS5 and that is clearly, especially when you see a game like Ghost of Tsushima. But I think what we really will see and what Sony and Xbox have been so heavily talking about is, uh, you know, SSD storage and uh, being able to stream games in so you don't have massive file sizes of your titles on the hard drive. Yeah, um, streaming is going to be a big part of both machines and both companies kind of future in general. And um, uh, I think we're also probably going to see some technology uh, that just makes the quality of life and the experience of booting these things up much better, you know, and much mm -hmm more refined than we currently get. Hopefully, I tweeted this out, we get damn buttons on the PlayStation 5 though. I'm so <laughs> tired of- Touch little yeah, pieces, yeah. I, moving I the why. thing. You know, <laughs> Sony learned their lesson too. The fat PS3 came out, it had those touch buttons, then they made the slim and they yeah. were all physical buttons. And then the PS4 launches and they go back <laughs> I was so... touch. I don't know what they <laughs> And were the Pro thinking. has got it too. I know yeah. it's ridiculous. Actually, the, the new model of the Pro now, because they did like a little, little upgrade. I believe yeah. they're back to physical. 
Oh, um, that's good. So it's. Are they tiny though? Are they easy to see? They're pretty tiny. Yeah. They're, yeah. You got to get really get your your small finger mm. in there to get a nail in there. But. It's, What'd you uh, think of the uh, Unreal uh, demo? A lot of triangles, Vic. That's what I thought. They were talking yeah. about billions and billions of triangles, but it, it it looked absolutely gorgeous. You know, I will say that there are games probably on the Xbox One X that could probably start to look a little similar to that. I feel yeah. like you know. Yeah. But again, we have to give it time to really start maximizing our, on this hardware. It's only going to get better from here, people. We're seeing, you know, just the the, the start of them kind of playing around with what this machine could really do. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved it. I love the fact that you know they they had the little you know the little crevices on the rocks that you, you know your your hands will go inside and your feet will will climb on and as you walk by like a little door you might touch you know the side of like just small details like that when we start putting eight ten. 20 hours into a game, we really start to, I feel like, notice those small details and appreciate them the more we play. And I think the bigger news for me, though, you know, was just after that demo when they announced that Unreal Engine, you know, a million dollars for for anyone who's making a video game until they reach a million dollars in revenue, that's when they're going to have to pay for them because that's incredible they're to me that they're giving back yeah they they giving back well yeah. it, it's not all altruistic but epic certainly knows all aspects of game development and the risks involved and the uh you know uh the heavy drama and um how hard it can be for game makers and they also know how good it can be for game makers and so uh, the idea that they want to get as many people as possible to be use, using their tools and their engine tech um so that they can benefit on their success is quite extraordinary. I'm sure Unity is going to have something up their sleeves, which is very similar. I feel like yeah. a lot of other software is going to need to jump in that gun. I didn't explain it properly. You know, it's they're giving pretty much making Unreal Engine free to any game developer until your game reaches, you know, the million dollar profit threshold. Then you're going to have to start paying royalties. And yeah. I don't remember what the exact number is, but I remember a few years ago doing research and exactly how much you, you had to pay to Unreal if you use their engine, but it was quite a bit. I want to say it was upwards of like 20% or something insane, but yeah, that also makes sense because, you know, this software just saves so much development time and they've got so many assets and a lot of the lighting programming all done for you. We're well, going to see a they're... whole new gen, gen of, of indie games, I think. Um, yeah, well, they're getting, I mean, this is the thing, right? They're very smart with this because they're getting real world focus testing and real world improvements, which are all going right back into the engine tech and all of the um, the middleware stuff that they're able to provide back to developers. They're streamlining the whole process. And they're also uh, taking their learnings from the uh, the collective pool of people that use their tools and then going back to other industries like the film and television production industry right now. Mm -hmm. So it, it's incredibly smart. It's like they... Um, it's like they're loaning out the cameras like uh, Panaflex or something <laughs> yeah, like that yeah, would work true. with small filmmakers. Uh, and then eventually you'll, uh, not Pan Panavision and some of the other camera manufacturers out there, Ari and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what they're doing. They're saying, look, we've got the, the tools. You can start to make games and we'll be here with you to help you with your success. And now they've got the storefront uh, and they've made some really clever moves there. They're friends to everybody. 
Um, a lot of people, you know, because we're in the internet age, can certainly get their arms up and, and be angry about decisions and exclusivity deals and arrangements and all that stuff. But uh, I, I don't know. It's been pretty fascinating to, you know, have met uh, James Schmalz and, and Cliff Blazinski at, uh, at E3 95 or something like that and talking to them about Unreal as a, as a concept and then to chart that whole progression and to get to know, you know, Tim and, and lots of the other folks over at, uh, at Epic, Donald Mustard, and to yeah. see these guys have become this massive global juggernaut in all aspects of games and in real time, you know, art creation in general. Um, amazing. I mean, they're, they're throwing concerts in their games now. Epic. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just incredible. The, the Travis Scott concert, right? Those, yeah. Those, that, but that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's something else. I'm, okay. I, I think that the future looks bright. Future looks I've got a bright. counter to all of this next-gen beauty, graphics, and uh -oh, horsepower, right. and Bring triangles, and pixels, <laughs> and actually, it's not pixels anymore. It's uh, amounts it's of polygons. Polygon. Yeah, it's triangles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Paper Mario is coming out this year oh, from Nintendo. Yes. And this look, game looks absolutely gorgeous. I love the, uh, the especially the, the look and feel of the previous Paper Mario game for Wii U. Uh, but I love uh, Thousand the, Year Door on the GameCube. Yeah, I think that was yeah. one of my favorite Nintendo games out there. Yes. Wow. But well, leave it to Nintendo to just drop a trailer and then have a release date in like two months. What is it, July yes. that the game's coming out? Yes. Yeah. It's just crazy that Nintendo is like so good at keeping the stuff on lockdown and, and like not leaking a single thing. There, you know, you never know what you're going to get in a Nintendo Direct or no. any trailer from them because. You know, whatever it is, it's probably going to come out in the next few months. Uh, but just beautiful game. I love the dialogue in the Paper Mario games. You know, it's really funny, quirky, doesn't really take itself seriously. And uh, a lot of just different types of gameplay dynamics. I think they showed that in the trailer where, you know, there's obviously a lot of 2D elements, 3D elements, little driving elements. They just, I feel like the development team for Paper Mario probably just has an amazing time in that in that drawing board when they're brainstorming for a oh, game. Oh, totally. They can yeah. probably just do anything. Well, Nintendo's philosophy has always been gameplay first, before characters, before story, before any... Like, they work on, on toys, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they build the worlds and the characters and all the other stuff around it. But they work on how we sort of interact with their toys... Uh, before anything else and it's yes. certainly working out for them and it's also the perfect answer to people that are power hungry and um, they, they might get into the arms race of you know what console is going to be more powerful and then the, there's the PC master race who says wow we're going to crush those guys with the graphics <laughs> cards that NVIDIA and AMD are working on for my my PC mother box you know like um, and then Nintendo just sort of comes out with Animal Crossing and <laughs> just kills it right it kill, kills everything every switch yes. out there right now <laughs> yeah yeah and no, maybe, i think it's a it's a smart philosophy well and maybe that's a statement too that uh it just as this fascination with retro is currently right now um there is a mass awareness in the medium which i don't think i've seen before i think that you know uh, journalists and the super fans would always talk about it's not just about graphics it's not just about that but graphics have sold games yeah. a lot 
You know, they've made games very successful based on the visual presentation of them. And certainly uh, there's awesome series like The Last of Us and Uncharted and uh, lots that we can point to where the beauty of the visuals is, is a huge part of why they're so loved and appreciated. But I think we are very clearly in a time where we have a lot of classic stuff that is refreshed for us uh, or available to us. Or um, we have, you know, low, lower fi games like Animal Crossing or even Paper Mario that are captivating us and, and capturing our attention, you know. And I, I think that it means that video games can be everything to everyone. They can hit all quadrants. But I also feel like there's an argument to be made that maybe we shouldn't be so concerned with how powerful our new systems are. You know? No, absolutely. And I feel like even, uh, you know, PC gamers could probably agree with me. Like it, as far as video card technology in the last three, four years, things haven't really jumped too much. You know, there was yeah. a really amazing post on Reddit recently of like, if you bought like a 1080 Ti and Nvidia video card from four or five years ago, you're really getting the bang for your buck because not much has really changed since then. Right. Feel like you know gameplay will always be king you know uh for for getting us those perfect gaming experiences you know one of my favorite moments was actually um a, a splatoon 2 interview that you did at e3 right and uh you know they were talking about you know ex exactly what you were saying the fact that they didn't even have a world or a title or a character made yet but they were just in the drawing board and someone was just kind of playing around one developer and just trying to make a quirky little fun game that they could play. And they were literally just looking at the gameplay. They were playing with little, you know, skeletons and stick figures and just see what they could do. And once they had a really fun base and foundation, that's when they started to attach a name to it, attach characters to it. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, we've seen Nintendo do this again and again. And uh, the, the crazy thing is, though, I, I still, I, I do think we hit all quadrants. Because there's a lot of gamers I still talk to where they really care about those polygons and they care about those graphics sure. and they will buy, you know, a game like Order 1886 because it looks gorgeous, you know. And right. Don't get me wrong, I love the Order 1886. I, 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 I didn't want to throw shade at that game. Yeah, but no, that no, was I want one that, that was in my mind. To come back, I think that I, franchise needs another <laughs> chance to be more than just the graphical. I want you know, psyops before I want another order. <laughs> 1886. You had my control. list is long. Saboteur. You know, there's a lot of other games I would like you to had see control. come back. Control. Control is pretty much psyops. All right. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> so. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about something that is definitely going to be heavy on the graphics and the fidelity, and that's uh, we're going to see a taste of it at. Uh, uh, the next Xbox thing in July, Halo Infinite. They've pretty much guaranteed that it will be there. Are you psyched for this? And what do you want out of Halo Infinite? I want to see more from Halo Infinite, Vic. I feel like they've been quite quiet on Halo Infinite, have they not? Yeah. Like, we, yeah. the last thing we saw must have been 10, 11 months ago now, or the last E3, and it was just a little glimpse. I'm excited. I think 343 is a very talented team. Yep. Um, I I'm still don't know the direction. There were so many rumors about what Infinite would be, whether it was going to be a Battle Royale type experience, because I think it was now announced two, you know, two E3s ago, right? I, think I know, like, and it feels like we've kind of missed that moment if it's a Battle Royale thing. <laughs> yes, it's like, yes. you know, no, wow, no, no. It, okay. it would not work as a Battle Royale title now. I feel like we've had yeah. enough Battle Royale, and we kind of expected that. It was getting a, becoming a very saturated market. Yeah. Um, I... I I'm, I'm excited for Halo Infinite and not, not to change the subject. I'm 
just more excited for what else Microsoft's going to bring into the table. You got to imagine they're going to bring out their big guns with the Series X here, you know, like there, there is no bigger gun than Halo, though. And the, the, yeah, but this Vic, this also isn't 2008 or 2007 I, anymore. I, I know, you know, but in terms of what they've invested in and what is yeah. going to define Xbox as a, a like the first thought that people are going to have about games, yeah, has been Halo, and what they have put into this with hype and. Uh, you know, um, storytelling and licensing for television, all the other things that are coming out of Halo and that universe, it now has been eclipsed by other sci-fi, you know, action experiences like Destiny. But this is their moment to bring that back. And if they don't, that will have been an unbelievable amount of investment squandered. Yes. And, and also create a real sense of um, uh, distrust, I think, with Microsoft handling the future of the rest of the game library that they're going to have. Yes. And I'm not saying that we should feel that, but they can't screw this up. Like Halo Infinite has to bring us back. Heavily, Vic. Because he he heavily and maybe bigger than it's ever been. Because we also, yeah, bigger than it's ever been, because we also know that Halo can't save a console anymore and i think we no. know that with the xbox one right that right they were yeah. last place forever you know there was never a time well i guess they were better than the wii u but the wii u was kind of a a non-thing but the xbox one was just so far behind and i think that again what we mentioned earlier is the fact that they were just putting all their eggs into one basket they have so many franchises i know vic we've talked about this a lot yeah they have the fables they have the crimson skies they have you know conquer they have banjo like they have so many amazing ips that they could turn into massive franchises why can't they turn banjo into another you know nintendo hit type experience right obviously banjo started yeah. on the n64 but why can't that be like the little mario franchise and honestly like Microsoft? look at animal crossing like we're in this time period now where uh you know people want escapism that isn't dystopian you know mm -hmm. that's that's exactly what animal crossing is providing it's like this this great you know mind wipe of all of the darkness that we're all dealing with right now it's yeah. it could i mean that's a huge component of its attraction and its success right now for sure yeah and banjo and coming back would be amazing banjo coming back yeah there's just they don't they're they have a ton of options you know if they literally only had halo and gears of war don't get me wrong i love those two franchises I would be worried, but it's it's just crazy to me to think about the fact that they've acquired Rare. And, you know, we've been talking about this probably I since know. the 360 era, but the 360 was a fantastic machine. They need to come out guns blazing. I mean, we saw that they've already put the investment in, uh, was it Ninja Theory that they bought? Yep. Um, so and they've, they've, they've I just checked out Bleeding series. Edge. They, yeah. they just they've, they released that. It's another, uh, um, a little bit like... Um, uh, Overwatch kind of character-based combat kind of thing, hero hero fighting. Um, but yeah, we have, I think in this, this generation of machines, we've entered into this time where um, we are playing a lot of games for a long time and we're just trying to create a community and just stay there forever, like uh, Sea of Thieves, which is basically what Rare is all about right now. Um, but I think what what we are missing in, in the game industry is uh, a, a little bit more 
of um, consistency and release timing and scheduling. Like it, it's impressive to see Sony invest so heavily in Iron Man and and uh, um, Ghost of Tsushima and uh, The Last of Us Part Two. But we have been waiting a long time for a lot of oh, these yeah. games to come. There's been like a big long dry spell. MLB I think was the last big Sony branded thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of hope that with this technology sort of the floor dropping a little bit and the ease of entry into the industry becoming a, 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 a more achievable thing, especially now people will be able to work from home because, you know, offices won't really be a thing that people will need uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, that we start to get more double A, sort of asp- aspiring to be triple A releases in this next generation. I think that's what this current generation has really missed in this move to have always on experiences like Fortnite and, and uh, um, PUBG and you know, the list is long. Um, we have moved away from lots of sort of mid-level companies releasing lots of surprises. And in that wake, we have had remasters like never before, oh you know? Oh my goodness, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's insane time for, for remasters and, and frame rates remakes. coming up and remakes and and all that but i mean they're they're not a bad thing entirely but but you know back to your point um it's crazy game development costs and everything have just skyrocketed right and and you're right i feel like gamers now when we were paying that you know pretty much 80 90 price tag here in canada for a game um we're expecting quite a lot of hours out of an experience and i think that's why we've also seen this resurgence of open world games being all over the place you know we people expect 40 50 hours out of a game which i think you're absolutely right we need to go back and now i'm, I'm at a point in my life where i really appreciate linear experiences like i want to play a game that's an amazing eight to ten hours or even yeah. less than that if it's for the right price point yeah you know i, I want to go back to that because I, I feel like now almost every other thing coming out is you know open world open world open world or it's this multiplayer adventure that you're going to spend the next six months of your life playing. Um, you know, I want more experiences like inside. And I feel like the the indie game, game developers are, you know, the ones who are really pushing amazing experiences like that forward. And uh, I don't want to see the, you know, the, the big studios really lose sight of that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it was crazy to me that Uncharted 4 had small elements, even though it's still a linear game, but it had small open world elements in it with the driving and stuff and it's like man we've gone to the point where uncharted is ter- trying to turn into an open world game here you know it's it's, a grindy it's, type game yeah yeah, yeah which i mean there's tons of value and lots of reasons why we are attracted to games like that assassin's creed last couple have been amazing and far cry and um you know Yes, but I fully agree with you. I think that now is the time. And I'm also a fan of remasters. We've got uh, Wonderful 101. Uh, I'll have a review yeah. of that pretty soon. And, and uh, the Saints Row 3 remaster is out. I, I'm, I'm going to check that one out too. And Mafia is getting retooled, all three of the Mafia games. Yeah, is, is every single Mafia game getting touched? I heard the first one's getting remade. Are they throwing the third one in there? I think they're doing the trilogy as a remaster kind of thing. Wow, so, interesting. Because so, uh, there's a lot of notes about Mafia 3. And, and a lot of people said like some small tweaks to the third one could really make the third one a much better you know, more extraordinary experience. Yeah. Uh, I know it was lacking just quite a few things and just things felt off with Mafia 3. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of excited for that. And 
Saints Row 3 was, was, was a weird one for me to remaster because... First of they all, did four I, I feel, already. <laughs> yeah, we're four, but I, I feel like Saints Row One only released on the Xbox 360, from what I remember. Yeah. Um, which that wouldn't have been a bad one to kind of go back to and retell that story. Um, and the crazy thing about Saints Row Three as well is that I believe on the Xbox One X and even the PS4 Pro, it only runs at 30 frames a second. Yeah. Uh, the remat. Like I don't think they have applied 60 frames unless you're on PC in that, which is crazy to me that it's an old gen game that they're not really cranking that frame rate to as much as they can. Yeah, we're, I mean, I guess that's that's a big part of what they're going to do to sell us that next gen, you know, and maybe we're going to see some of these 30 frames per second games that are released on this current gen jump up to 60 or more on uh, next gen, you know. Um, but yeah, we're, it's always a bit weird as we're transitioning because there's a lot of reflection um, and there's, you know, I'm finding it so strange to be talking about 25 year old games so often, you know, because these mini <laughs> yeah. consoles and the, uh, and the 16 bit superhero stuff that I've been doing, but it, it, it is like the, the sort of accumulation of the entirety of the industry is, is sort of happening all at once, you know, and then we have Nintendo, which is always really smart with, well, a staying in the news with its success, but always very smart at bringing out its legacy stuff with a new coat of paint, you know, and some new different ways to get people excited that. about it. I feel like Nintendo really understands that there's always a new generation of gamers every five, ten years, right? Like right. there's a big wave of young gamers who have never experienced or don't really care about going back and playing something for 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, And I think it was very smart on Nintendo's behalf, too, to really admit, like, hey, the Wii U was a failure, but let's just bring all of the best titles from the Wii U and yeah. port them over here. So, you know, 100%. we got Bayonetta 2, we got, I believe, Captain Toad came, and now Wonderful We need Pikmin 3. Pikmin 3 needs to come, and uh, yeah. arguably, you probably don't want to see it, but Star Fox Zero, if they retooled it a little bit, yeah. uh, wouldn't be bad for, like, a budget-priced download game. But yep. uh, there's... there's Obviously, Nintendo's got a whole history of things. I mean, wait until they start bringing the N64 into yeah. the eShop. That's going to be incredible to be able to play Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time and, you know, all these these classics. Uh, and, and honestly, the Wii U as a, a system that didn't work is just part of their mystique, you know? Yeah. It's like the Virtual Boy. It's it's like when you're a company that's as persistent and, and uh, trailblazing as... Nintendo has been uh, in a lot of respects. They're also um, incredibly um, uh, conservative in, in some respects too. Um, but they're allowed to have these part the, the parts of their story where things didn't quite work out, you know, mm -hmm. and it big, makes them I, more interesting. I, I'm a big fan and, and I'm a big believer, I should say, of, you know, you have to fail to succeed. And yeah. we've seen that time and time again in the game industry when, when games and consoles get a second chance you know we saw like like PS3, xbox man even i would even say yeah the xbox i was gonna yeah. say is a perfect example the ps3 did not have a great launch it was no kind of a messy system it wasn't until like the mid to end life cycle where it started to get really good and right. ps4 they realized everything they did wrong with the programming architecture with it and they made the ps4 much easier to program for 
and cheaper, more accessible. Like they just, they, they knew everything that they did wrong with the PS3's launch and they yeah. fixed it. And that's why the PS4 was a mass success. That's why I really think that you should really watch out for Microsoft here with the Series X. I think again, they're going to come out guns blazing. They know that the, you know, Xbox One was like a very mediocre kind of console in my opinion. Yep. Um, and they have this Game Pass thing. And if they can have an amazing kind of launch and family of games and that Game Pass foundation, oh my God, like the, it's, it's probably the best bang for buck console Microsoft could probably ever offer you. Cause I still think that Game Pass is the greatest service that I've probably ever signed up for. And I'm not being paid to say this. I'm just saying it's like 10 bucks a month and I'm literally getting every new Microsoft it's, game. It's irrefutable. It's um, insane. But it's... we're also going to see Sony really push PlayStation now yeah. very mm -hmm. soon. And it's going to be an incredibly huge part of their future. And we're going to get all the Sony first party stuff as part of PlayStation. I know now. you're a big, you're a big believer of streaming. I know you're really think that's the future. I believe that that is the future, but I'm still, uh, I still think we're years away from it being very smooth. Oh yeah, well they're, they're not they're not all streaming though on PlayStation now. You can yes, download yeah. a lot of their they, stuff. They've too, made a right? few downloadable, but not yeah. everything yet. Until yeah. they get to the point where you can download everything in your hard drive and make it affordable. I think the big issue with PlayStation now as well, Vic, was that price point they were asking for for the streaming. Yeah, it was not a, you know, especially for us Canadians, it was not really as as inducing as as what Game Pass was, and especially with Game Pass, they really were letting it go for free for like the first six months to a year. They've been very aggressive. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and yeah, hats off to Microsoft for changing course and going in that direction. I think it really uh, it earned them a ton of new fans, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it appeased a lot of diehards. But now with the, the you know, the even the Mia culpa on uh, realizing they didn't have enough gameplay in their third party reveal um, was was great that they came out with that. Uh, but now the, they really have to show what they've been spending their studios money on. You know, they bought all of these companies, they've got all, now this next reveal has got to give us a sense of what the first party from Xbox is gonna be. Halo's gotta be front and center. That's the most important jewel in their crown. But yeah, we gotta see uh, what else they've been up to. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I yeah. gotta imagine we're gonna see a lot in this next month or so, right? I mean, E3 yep. is not happening this year. We're just gonna be seeing weeks upon weeks, I feel like. The, this is E3 right here. This you and E3, I yeah. in, in our basements. With this is this. Don't say woo! that, Vic. That's really. <laughs> E3. Woo! Look, we got shiny blinky lights right there. Yeah, a, the yeah. neon Batman. It's just like E3. <laughs> oh, I, I got Marvel. Oh. This is E3 right here. Uh, okay. Uh, well, be happy about everything. We're we're gonna come back and and uh, do this again. Okay, so I'll reach out again. Thank you for joining me on um, this kind of soft reboot of what Vic's basement could uh, become. And and uh, well, we'll see where this goes. But I'm excited. Uh, I want to see the return of Vic's basement. This is this is the future. I I didn't ever know it would be so literal because. Uh, <laughs> You we're know, really in your basement this time. It, we're really in the basement. And and uh, when we started the basement, it was it was kind of tongue-in-cheek. But it was yeah. kind of a, a idea that it was all of the stuff that I love in my basement as a show. <laughs> now it's really in the basement. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a crazy time. It's a crazy time to be alive. Yeah. yeah. So we'll make it through here together. We have our video games. We have our 
we yep. have each other and we thankfully we're living in the world of technology you know yeah if this you know there are times in the world where people have to go through this and they didn't have netflix ladies and gentlemen so I let's know. uh or zoom or zoom or, yeah. or any way to you know see people on a regular basis you look great. Looks like you're taking care of yourself. Oh, thank you. You look. I, I appreciate you. Share your you, uh, de-aging uh, recipe with all of us, Vic. That's what it's it video games. That's video the secret. Yeah, okay. Play forever. That's it. <laughs> I espouse that. Um, Bear Safi, follow him on Twitter. What is it? Uh, Baruti. Yes. And right. on YouTube, Baruti as well. That's right. Yeah. All right. And uh, check out all of his stuff. He's an incredible creator and a great friend. And uh, it's been awesome to have you here in Vic's basement. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) We'll see you all very soon. We'll see you soon. Thanks for watching, everyone. And until then, play forever.